But it's good to be back with everyone this morning. Um, our family was out for a little while because of uh, me having COVID, but feeling much better and glad to be back here to be able to worship with you, study God's Word together. Uh, we also have a lot of families that are visiting, and it's really good to see you guys here. Uh, I know as Dean has already announced that, but just looking around this morning, knowing that uh, some of the families are here of our college students, and we are very glad that your students, uh, have your kids have made a decision to worship with us while they're here. We want you to know that uh, they have a family here and they have people that are willing to watch after them and be here, especially our shepherds uh, that do a great job, not only with the members here, but also their great care that they have for the students. So family, if you're here, we are glad that you spent a little bit of time over the weekend that you got to come in town, but we are really excited that you got to be here to worship with us together. If you are visiting and you're not part of the the family group that came in for the weekend, we are glad that you are here at Dalreda, and we hope to get to know you and spend some more time with you after our time of worship. Before we study the Word together, let's pray together. Lord our God, we come before you thankful to be in your presence, to know that we are saved, that we are cared for by you. Thank you for watching over us in so many great ways that we can't even number Please be with your church that meets here at Dalreda. Help us to do your will and be strengthened by you so that we can uh, leave this building today and share your word with other people. We love you so much. And we praise to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are continuing our study looking at Israel. I've been looking at this phrase that we are Israel. And I hope that has come to mean something very significant to you as we've been studying this for the past few weeks together looking at different perspectives on Israel and how they have set a precedent, how they set an example to us, and how we're just not that unique, that we fall in line for what people have been doing since the beginning. And we continue to maybe fall in the same mistakes as them, but we also get to have some of the same blessings and promises that were given to them that continue on to the Lord's church. And what we're going to be looking at today as we think about Israel, we're going to be thinking about their time as sojourners. Now, that's a, maybe a word that you're not familiar with. Maybe you don't use it very often in your uh, daily language. But we're going to think about what does it mean to be a sojourner? A couple of definitions that may come to your mind, if you want to just have a very basic definition of what a sojourner is. To live somewhere as a temporary resident. Now, for you, I don't know what begins to come to your mind when you think about the word sojourner. Uh, it's kind of fitting for just kind of the weekend that we've got, everything going on with our families here in town, but also starting up the Adopt-A-Student program that is being kicked off tonight. I, I think about when I first came to Montgomery as a student back in 2009. I came in as a freshman uh, from, you know, real distant land of Birmingham, Alabama, but two hours away was still quite significant of getting out of the house and being out on my own for the very first time. And I remember coming to Faulkner, and uh, you know, I admit that uh, that first night, you know, we get to move in that morning on a Saturday, and they do a, a little dinner for all the students and their families, and then they kick the families out, and it's just you finally by yourself, and having to, you know, find friends and all of that, and you know, that was such a challenge for me when I first came to town, and and I knew that I had come to Faulkner, and there were a lot of people that came to school with me here that I knew from Birmingham. Uh, Micah Long was my roommate, and so uh, I hate that he's no longer here with us, his family, but that was very special for me because we grew up in the same area in Birmingham, we got to be roommates for a little while, got to worship together here, uh, and then we've moved on uh, beyond that, as you know, that they've now left. But it was so strange coming here and not really knowing where to start. 
Montgomery was kind of intimidating. I came from Corner, Alabama. Uh, Corner is named after three counties coming together in one little area. Uh, it is a community, or it was at that point, is now grown. They, uh, the high school that I originally would have graduated from, it turned into a 6A school. It was like a 2 or a 3 when I was there. Coming to Montgomery, Alabama, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But coming into school, I was thinking, you know, when I graduate, I'm going to leave Montgomery. I'm going to go travel the world. I'm going to go up north, somewhere around in there. Here it is, 2021. I came in 2009. have not left yet, but I'm very thankful to be here. So for me, when I think about the word sojourner, I think about my time in Montgomery, starting off as a student, coming to, to worship at Dalreda for a little while as a student, and eventually working here and being here. You know, for some of you guys that... Um, have been here in Montgomery your entire life. This is home. And you're here with your family. You have grown up around your family, maybe in the same area, maybe on the same land. Montgomery looks a little bit different to you versus someone else that has come in. And I think about our students that have come to Montgomery, maybe in the past month. They've only, for the freshmen, you've only been here for a month. For those students that have moved back here, maybe this has started to become your home a little bit more. Sojourning, you may have originally felt uncomfortable, like maybe this was not your home, but maybe it's become your home a little bit more. Uh, but it's neat as we look across the congregation here, we have some military families. I like learning about uh, the military families and how you ended up here. I know we've got a few bases around and some training. Uh, some military family that just stuck around, they didn't want to leave. Uh, others were just here for a little bit of time, and maybe you can think about some families that moved to town for just a little while, maybe as a year as they were going through training, or maybe a little longer than that. Maybe they set up their roots here, or maybe they have moved on. Military is a very unique position to be in. Some of you were in the military and you came back home. You were away for a little while, and here you are. Uh, maybe you have moved to town here. Um, for whatever reason, maybe it was a job opportunity or some other a circumstance that brought you here. Maybe you moved here to take care of some family members. Uh, maybe you just wanted a different change of scenery and you decided to be here. That Montgomery, maybe if you've been here for a little bit or for a very long time, if somebody asks you where are you from, I know for me, I, I feel compelled. Do I say I'm from Montgomery or do I say from Birmingham? I think I've been here long enough, right, that I can say I'm from Montgomery if somebody asks me that. But maybe you've been here just for a little bit of time and you don't know how to respond to that question, but you're kind of still learning the ropes. You're trying to figure out the city. You're trying to figure out home? Where do you want to live? Where do you want to stay? Maybe you've returned back home. Uh, you moved away for a little bit. Maybe you went to school and you've now come back. Maybe you grew up here and you decided to go somewhere else, but you are now back. You know, we have all ended up for whatever reason in this room together. Maybe we've sojourned a little bit. Maybe we've traveled a little bit. Maybe we've planted our roots here. Maybe this is all a brand new experience. But I want to think about those feelings you might have as you've moved around, whatever the case may be, is as you've been in a place that just felt a little uncomfortable, that felt new, and, and maybe you felt like this is not really my home and I'm just passing through, maybe that song comes to your mind. What are some of those feelings that come to your mind? Well, I think about, you know, who are my friends going to be? Man, that is intimidating. And I don't care how old you are, how young you are, trying to make friends can be difficult, especially if you're as awkward as I am. Making new friends is challenging. Maybe you're trying to figure out where to live. And I know as we were looking at, before we bought our house, what community we want to be in, who we're going to be next to. We moved to Dalreda community, and everybody else is there too, and that's been neat to be right down the road from so many different people. Maybe you're just trying to get the, the lay of the land, and you're 
you know, you don't even know which way to go when you go to the big metropolis of Montgomery, Alabama, downtown, trying to figure out which lanes to be in, which ones in, which ones are one-way streets. What about that trying to find the church home? I know when I came in as a student, I, I was looking at all these different congregations and trying to figure out where I want to be. I, I preached at congregations out of town for a while. That's really what I did when I was a student for a little while. That just felt uh, like something I wanted to do. So I would travel around, whether an hour and a half, 45 minutes, and I would go worship little congregations and preach and teach Bible classes. But trying to find, you know, what's the body of believers that I want to be with? That can be intimidating. Coming into a church building for the first time and who do I sit next to? What if I sit by myself? What if I sit into somebody? What if I sit in somebody's seat and they don't want me there? All of those mixed feelings that we have. What about moving away and not having family close by? Isn't that challenging for those that uh, you don't have any family here in town? But probably if you're like us, you've grown your family by just being around the church. But uh, I know raising kids and not having mom or dad real close can be that can generate a lot of difficult feelings. Maybe you feel lost, confused, scared, lonely, homesick, awkward. All of those feelings, I think, are part of what it is to be a sojourner and be somewhere that's just not quite home. But you're learning and you're trying to get your roots and you're trying to figure this out. I want you to hold on to those illustrations, whether you look at anything, well, that doesn't apply to me at all. Or if you can really relate and you know some of those feelings or situations that you're like, that's exactly how I feel right now. We're going to go on a little bit of a journey together as we look at Israel. We're going to learn some lessons from them and how they viewed sojourning. I want to look at it from two perspectives. The first one is going to be uh, how this word is used to describe Israel themselves as they were foreigners in different lands. And on the second hand, I want to look at how the word sojourner is used to describe non-Israelites living among the Israelites. So hold that in your mind. Whatever those feelings are, whatever those thoughts are, whether you've talked to somebody and you've helped them navigate that experience, whatever it may be, hold on to those feelings and those illustrations and let's see if we can learn from Israel about how they felt as they were in foreign lands and they had not set up their roots and how they treated other people that came into their mix. If you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus. We're going to be looking at quite a, a few verses today from uh, different parts of the history of Israel. We might look at some individuals or collectively the group as a whole. But I think this is a unique passage here in Exodus chapter 6. As we're kind of into the history of Israel, and, and we've been looking at it from different perspectives, right? We, we looked at uh, how the Israelites grumbled in their different experiences in the wilderness and in Egypt. And we've looked at their deliverance of how they came out of Egypt. But as they are going through these lands, they're trying to figure out where they need to be. Uh, going back to the promised land is going to be the original purpose. We're going to see some of these promises that was made to Abraham. While they were in Egypt, Moses was having some conversations with God, getting them ready for them to come back out. In Exodus chapter 6, starting in verse 2 and going through verse 4, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Now, if you go back and you start thinking about some of these characters and, and where they lived for a little while, 
you can follow their entire path. You can pull up a map of that place and you can find where Abraham started in the, Ur, in, the, um, in the Mesopotamian area. You can find out where he was far east and had to come up through the Fertile Crescent and back down and where he ended up in Israel. And we've actually followed him on some of his journeys and discussed that together in, in our studies on Sunday morning what we've been doing in this series. But think about Abraham as he was in that land and, and God told him, right, in Genesis chapter 12, he said, I want you to leave your homeland. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Talk about sojourning. It's one thing when, you know, maybe you get a, a job movement, uh, movement and you're going somewhere and you're like, all right, I know that I'm going to that city and I can figure out and I can do my research. I can pull up Google and look at Google Maps. I can find all these houses. It's another thing if your boss came to you and said, I'm going to send you somewhere and just wait until you get there. Okay, that's going to be intimidating. That's going to be very hard to deal with. But as Abraham went on this journey, right, that he's learning you know, really his relationship to God. He's, he's having to trust in God and what he's going to reveal to him as he goes along. But here we are in the history of Israel. Moses is looking back on where they have come from and God's relationship with them. And as God is introducing himself to Moses, quite literally as he's even teaching him his name and who he is, that he's the great I am, he's looking back on their time in the land of Canaan, the land which they had lived as sojourners. As you follow Abraham and you follow the Israelites, they're always looking back to the promised land. Abraham was told, you're going to have this land that's going to be given to you and you are going to come back here with your family at some point or your family is going to return back here. And so that was what they shared with each other. These blessings, the four specific ones that are given to Abraham, these promises that you will be back in this land. And so the Israelites, as we go through history, find them with an eye back on the promised land. When are we going to go back? And we're going to see how they separated themselves from it. But as you get oriented, just looking at Abraham and, and looking back on him from this time, they're wanting to know, when do we go back? Maybe you think about Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, when God opens up this covenant with Abraham. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Now, we've, we bounce back a little bit, and this is kind of how the story goes. You think about where they are. Back in Genesis 15, God established this covenant. He says, look, I'm going to be with you, Abraham, and I've given you all these promises. I'm swearing by myself, and I'm showing you what is going to be there. If you will trust me, and you will teach your children, and their children's children, and your grandchildren, and all your descendants, for them to trust me, I will bring you back. But you have to know that this land is yours, but you are going to be gone for a little while. In fact, your children... And their children and your grandchildren, as they're looking back on this land, they're going to be gone for hundreds of years at a time. And they're going to be in a place where they're going to be sojourners. They're going to a place where they're going to be slaves in that land. It's not just going to be trying to figure out, you know, where do we pop our tent and where do we set up? It's going to be very difficult for them. So think about Abraham looking down the line as he's trying to learn how God is going to open his promises to him and give him these descendants. That's a whole other angle that you can see that my people are going to end up in a land that's not this one, and it's going to be rough for them there. You see, Abraham was quite acquainted with this feeling of being a sojourner. And some uh, verses just to share with you, and you can write them down, follow along, whatever that may be. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, speaking of Abraham, there was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. He was in the promised land. He was where he was supposed to be, but because of extenuating circumstances, he had to leave. 
And he was going to sojourn in the land of Egypt for a little while. Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the, ter- uh, the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. You can follow Abraham on his journey as you're plotting the map, as you see where he ends up in all these places that he's sojourning. He's learning about God and where he's going to plant him, but he's looking at all these other places around him as he travels along. At the end of Sarah's life, when she dies, his wife, in Genesis 23, starting in verses 3 and going through 4, Abraham rose up before his dead and said to the Hittites, which is the land in which he was living, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. His wife has died, and he's in a land, he's in a place that he doesn't get to call home, where he has no burial ground even to place his family, and he's needing help. And so as a sojourner in this land, he's looking for help, just a place to bury his family. Lot, maybe he comes to your mind as a sojourner, as he sojourned in Sodom. In Genesis 19, verse 9, with that whole episode that happens with Lot, The people are speaking to him specifically, and they say that this fellow came to sojourn, and he he has become the judge. Now he'll deal worse with him than with them. You know, as Lot was trying to find his place, he was still sojourning. Maybe you think about Jacob and his descendants. But I think about Jacob when he was in uh, the land of Laban. In Genesis 32, verse 4, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. And as the story continues on, maybe you think about Israel as a whole, the the 12 sons that come from Jacob. In Genesis 47, verse 4, as they are speaking to Pharaoh and these brothers of uh, Joseph that are there, said, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Now, if you've picked up on anything that we've studied so far, not even in this one session, but outside of this, as we watch Israel, as they, they move along, as I said, you can plot their, their path physically and geographically, but you can also plot it spiritually. As they are trying to figure out God, as they're trying to figure out what exactly God is going to do for them, that if He's told them you're going to come back to this land, how is it they end up in all these other foreign places? How is it that they end up in difficult times with famine? How is it that Abraham ends up in a land that he's not supposed to go to and you find him lying to get out of certain things? What is going on with the people here? You see, they're they're learning, but they also have this eye toward God. Now, as we continue on in history, as we go through the story a little bit more, let's pick up in Exodus chapter 12, verses 40 through 42. We just saw in Genesis chapter 15 about Abraham that his descendants are going to live in a land that they're going to be uh, there for a few hundred years and they're going to act as slaves. uh, And it's not going to be good for them. This is what is going on in Exodus 12 in verse 40. It says, The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. To this same night is a night of watching. Keep the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. 
Did you just catch what's going on and how they're telling these stories about what God has done? That as the Israelites are in Egypt and they've been there for hundreds of years and they have grown into an entire nation, God was actually preserving them in Egypt. The Egyptians didn't intermarry with them. They didn't really associate with them on a social level because of uh, you know, them being shepherds and things along those lines. But there was this preservation of Israel as they're in the land of Egypt, although it became difficult and it, it kind of bowled up to the top with this persecution and this pressure. It was time for them to leave. As you go through the Exodus, as you go through God giving the plagues to the Egyptian, and he was trying to teach them and let these people go, when it's time for the Israelites to leave, it's because they were supposed to realize this is not your home. You're not meant to stay in Egypt this whole time. Now they were there because of the famine and Joseph took care of them and they eventually you stayed there and they grew and they grew. And we know how that happened. But all of that was according to God's plan. That they were staying in Egypt until it was time for them to return to, to the promised land. You see, because the promised land, even during the time of Abraham, it was not quite what it needed to be. And one of the reasons why the uh, Israelites are going to come back to that promised land as a nation, now they're going to be strong enough in order to handle the problem that's there. They have been preserved, they have been taken care of, and they've been sojourning so that they can learn to trust in God as He reveals His strong arm to them throughout the Exodus. They are able to depend on Him and His Word and His law so that they will follow Him wherever He sends them, very similar to Abraham as an individual, but now you have them as a people. They can trust in God so that they can come back to this land and God will have prepped them on everything they needed to be here, to be successful for God. You see, the task of a sojourner, at least with a relationship to God, is to depend on God and to trust Him with faith, knowing that He will act on His promises and He will do what He is supposed to do. So the Israelites are considered sojourners in Egypt. And that's a very important point as we think about how this word is used. The word sojourner is used to describe the Egyptian. I mean, it's, it's used to describe the Israelites, specifically their time in Egypt. Now I want to back out from them and I want to look at a sojourner that lives in the midst of the Israelites. So they've come into the land, they've conquered a lot of their enemies, and they're establishing themselves, and, and they are back in the promised land, they're in Canaan, and they're trying to figure out, you know, what do we do here? God has actually prepped the land for them. They come in and they start removing all the opposition, and they have homes that are furnished. They have gardens that just need to be harvested. All of this was prepped by God so that when they come home, they have a home there. And part of that is for them to push out the enemies. Now those enemies, as we learn as they go along in the book of Joshua, if they will understand who God is, they will be welcomed in. Insert the example of Rahab. Rahab, that you know, her heart melts within her when she learns what the Israelites are doing, but specifically what the God of the Israelites is all about. Her heart melts within her and she wants to be a part of that. And we actually find her in the line of Christ. The Israelites were meant to be an example that people wanted to be a part of. And the Israelites knew that we've been sojourners and God has taken care of us and He's brought us into this land. So if there are other sojourners around us as well, let's teach them. The same feelings that we are feeling about being sojourners and all the things that we discussed at the very beginning of this lesson, the Israelites should have known when we have people that come into our midst that come from that same kind of background, we can help them and we can bring them in so they can have the same hope and the same promises 
that we have. So how are they supposed to treat the Israelites that lived in their midst? Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting in verse 19, Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him, and by His name you shall swear, He is your praise, He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. For those that study and look at uh, what's going on in Deuteronomy, they're about to cross over into the promised land. And Moses is reminding them, he says, when you go into this land, take care of those sojourners that are in your midst that are going to stay with you. You teach them about me. You teach them about God. You teach them about His promises and all the great things that He has done. You should be this welcoming group. You should be all about loving God and teaching other people His commandments where we are all on this journey together because you know where you have come from and you see where they're coming from and you get to be together reminding each other what God has done. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 33, it says, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You see, they were supposed to, the Israelites are supposed to teach those sojourners in their midst about the Day of Atonement, as David uh, fitly talked about already today. They were supposed to acknowledge the Passover. They were supposed to stay away from blood. They were supposed to not blaspheme the name of God. They were to uphold the sacrifices and they were to act as if they were under the law themselves because they were. See, the Israelites knew where they have come from and they were supposed to openly and actively welcome other people to go on this journey together. That's what it's like to be a sojourner. If you have been lost or you've been confused, you've been out of place, you've been disjointed, you want to grab other people that you see struggling and you want to grab them by the hand and walk with them. So we look at Israel, and now we turn the focus on ourselves. I like what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. You see, as we think about us as Christians and where we are in our lives, we are sojourners and exiles. Not in a foreign land geographically, but in this entire world. We do not belong here. We belong with God. God made us in His image to be with Him. And while we're on this earth, we have an eye toward God. And He has saved us. He has redeemed us. He has done so many great things for us that we may be in fellowship with Him so that we can live with Him for all of eternity. And while we're here, we're just passing through. We're just sojourners and exiles on this earth until we get to be with God. To make this more profound and bring it up to speed to where we are today in our experience, in the church. I want to think about Hebrews chapter 11, 13 through 16. The Hebrew writer says this, speaking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these patriarchs, he said, they all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they were seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Here's where the rubber meets the road for us. 
This is not our home. This earth is not. But while we're sojourners here and we've experienced what it's like to be here but desire something more, to leave this land, this place uh, to the side so that we can actually go to where we belong, it should drive us together to be a family, to be a unit, to be a shining light. Because we just don't belong here and we know that together. Here's what I notice in this text. We are sojourners on this earth. You're sitting here today in this pew, in this place, because God means something to you. I hope that's the case. You're here and you're sitting in this place and you're looking around and you see other people who are clothed in Christ, who've had their sins washed away. And you automatically feel a connection knowing that I have been saved from my sins and the person over there that I may not even know the struggles that they're going through, they've been saved from their sins. And we just remembered the body and blood of Jesus together. We're in this together. We're fighting along with each other. We're just not meant to stay on this earth. And so we get to worship God knowing that there's a hope. There's a promise. There is a home away from here. I love the language that's used there in Hebrews chapter 11. It says that uh, we must be focused on a homeland. It's not just a place to set up a tent temporarily. It's a place that we can look to that is our homeland. A place that we actually belong in, that we're not just passing through. When we say that we're going to be with God for all of eternity, He has prepared rooms for us. He has prepared mansions for us. Jesus went to prepare that for us. And we're just here temporarily waiting for that. We must be looking for a new home that is given by God. It's not made with men's hands. We can't even imagine what that's going to be like. We can't even picture it exactly in our words of what will heaven look like? What will it be like to be in God's presence? What will it look like to worship God for all of eternity? We can come up with descriptions, but we realize that it is all made by God's hands. But that's where we want to be. We need something more than a tent. We need a city. If you pick up on that from Hebrews chapter 11, there is a city waiting for us. And the last part. In Hebrews chapter 11, as he's talking about the patriarchs, that very last part, verse 16, says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Here's the profound question that I think the Hebrew writer is bringing to our minds and really what this whole sojourning brings us to. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Do we bring shame on the name of God by our actions? Do we lose sight of God? Does He become less of a desire in our life at times because we get clouded in our judgment by our acts? Are things that we want to do, do we lose sight of God? How proud of us is God? You know, I think about the story of Job when he looks to see his servant and he knows that he will not fall. How does God see us from heaven? Does God see what we're doing and what we're all about and realize that we're sojourners here? Does he see us wanting to put our roots down a little bit more? Does he see us losing focus even within the church where we have lost sight of what the goal is all about? So when I think about us as sojourners in this land, I think about our time together. 
we go back and look at those, uh, those few examples for those military that are here, here's some questions that I have for us in our sojourning together. We're just passing through, but we happen to be in Montgomery, Alabama together. For you that have a connection with military, those that are just passing through, how do we reach the people on the base to teach them? How do we reach to those lost that are on the base that don't even know about a hope in God? How do we reach those people that are just passing through in this land, but they could have the opportunity to be here to learn God's Word? How do we get there? Some of you have an open-door invitation, and, and you work alongside of them, you train alongside of them, and that's great, but how can we get people here? For our students that are here, how can we be a family to them? Well, we have opportunities like Adopt-A-Student, but we also have just the, this great group of students that are really sitting all over the place that you can get to know. You can reach out and introduce yourself, and it's fine if you introduce yourself for the third or fourth time. They may do the same thing, but how do we make them feel like this is family? And not just feel like family, but be family. For those that move to town, how do we help them? Can we help them move in? Can we find places for them? Can we sit next to them? Can we show them the ropes? Can we allow them into our home? For those that return back, how do we welcome them and help them acclimate back to things maybe that have changed? And for those that are residents here that have been a part of this town and been a part of this place, how do you bring people in and make them feel welcome? There's challenges left and right for us. But what we have is an advantage as sojourners. This commonality that we're looking for something more. There's more waiting for us but while we're on this earth and as we have breath in our lungs, what will we do? What will we allow God to do? Yes, this is not our home and we're just passing through. But we are a family right here, right now. And we have the opportunity to help people become grounded and rooted in Christ. If we will teach, we will open our arms and we will love. So, How's our desire look for God? Are we willing to follow Him wherever He tells us to go? Are we willing to uproot ourselves from this earth and, and cast all the darkness to the side and put all of our feelings to the side and make God our focus and our priority? Maybe you've already made that decision. You've been baptized in the Christ. You've been united with Him in, in baptism and rise up to walk in newness of life, but you've wanted to be a part of this earth a little bit more. Maybe there's some temptations. Can we pray with you? Can we really talk with you about what you're struggling with and help you know that there is a home waiting for you if you'll just cast these things off to the side again, die to your sins? We're here as a family. Let's act like it and let's work together. If you need anything, we're here for you as we stand and as we sing.